developing future. Brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo, a leading source of knowledge in fast emerging Asia and the Pacific for 20 years. water crisis driven by climate change, neglect of infrastructure and misguided policies is threatening global economic growth in countries struggling to develop and in developed countries too. The water crisis is partly due to climate change and the increasing unpredictability of weather, but a lot has to do with the behaviour of global trade, trade policies and institutions that believe water is inexhaustible. It is not. By 2050, Global demand for water will have risen by 55% from current levels and wastewater discharges of growing urban populations will increase nitrogen effluence into rivers and seas by 180%, almost triple, compared with today's rates, creating severe water stress that will affect the livelihoods of 4 billion people. Alexander Livanoi, a consultant at Group d'Economie Mondiale, identifies four major concerns about water. Scarcity aggravated by climate patterns, declining water quality, weak management and regulations, and infrastructure gaps that make it hard to get water to where it is most needed. For Livonoi, water is gold, spent as pennies. There is a water crisis. Uh, I mean, that, that's for sure. The water crisis has three main ingredients. The first one is growing population. That's true. So it puts the bear locally on... Um, you know, when demand is growing, not just because population is growing, but also because expectations of wealthier population is growing. So if there is one correlation is that the wealthier you get, uh, the more water you consume. Uh, and not just from your tap, but based on the product that you consume. So basically, when you become wealthier, your diet changes and then your diet is uh, more water in- intensive. So the first issue is population and population growth. Uh, The second problem is around quality. Quality of water is deteriorating uh, quite significantly. Although even countries like China are making huge efforts to to fight this, but but quality is a major issue. Uh, And the third one is infrastructure. So how do you get the water to where it's needed, basically? Uh, You have countries where water is abundant, but people don't get to the water because they don't have the infrastructure uh, to get the water and to develop. What it is creating is a huge gap between demand and availability going forward, uh, that we are going to expect more than what we have. If nothing changes, he says, by 2030, the demand for water will outpace supplies by 40% on average and by more than 50% in countries that are developing most rapidly. Agriculture uses 70% of water and farmers will suffer the most. The coming decade is likely to see cereal production, wheat, corn, barley, rice, fall 30% short of demand. Industrial production will be affected. In 2015, power plants in India suffered long shutdowns because dams and reservoirs were empty, and monsoon seasons have become erratic. 
it's also a matter of, of urgency in a way, because there are many countries, and, and it's not just developing countries, by the way, but there are many countries that literally are shutting down because water is missing, you know, a given year. And there you can think about probably Australia, you can think about California, you can think about France, actually, last summer, uh, where um, agricultural production is literally shutting down for a good portion of it because water is missing. A lack of water in all its forms could reduce the world's gross domestic product by 2.6%. Oliver Noy says droughts and water shortages in South Africa, California, Australia and southern parts of the People's Republic of China show that this is not just an issue for developing economies. Countries need to look at what they produce for international trade against how much water they have. But disasters are already common. Irrigated cotton production for export by Uzbekistan, among other Central Asian countries, has caused the most irreversible depletion of the Aral Sea, Kenya's exports of cut flowers drained Lake Naivasha. Through heavy subsidies, Saudi Arabia had long been a top 10 wheat exporter, leading to the overuse of the country's ancient aquifers, but, recognising the severe strain on its groundwater resources, it recently decided to fade out subsidised cereal production and rely on international food markets. International trade can partly solve the lack of water by directing water-intensive production toward those countries with sustainable water supplies through pricing mechanisms that give a value to what is too easily considered free. It's not there yet in terms of uh, how countries could regulate um, the labelling of products in terms of water content, but the companies, so the private sector, uh, are thinking about this as a way forward to you know, raise awareness on, on what the water content of product is. And then basically when you go to your supermarket, you, you could, much like you could um, segregate when you buy something in terms of its uh, CO2 content, you could also look at it from a water perspective. Where is this product coming from? So if, if it's coming from Senegal, then my CO2 footprint is that much. But then again, it's coming from Senegal, and Senegal is extra uh, efficient in terms of using water because only it only uses, you know, rainwater. It doesn't use uh, irrigated water or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm just using a, a fictional example here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's something you, you can work toward, but it's really kind of, uh, I mean, it's, which, you know, it's just, we're just thinking about, and by we, I mean, it's a royal we. We're just, we're just thinking about it in a way that it's coming our way. It, it could happen sometimes, but we're absolutely not there yet in terms of raising awareness to consumers on what exactly is their, you know, daily water footprint when they, you know, eat meat versus fish versus only vegetables or etc. So we're working toward that, basically, you know. We're getting better at this, but it's not there yet. But how to balance that mechanism so as not to punish water-scarce countries? Many Middle Eastern and North African countries, due to lack of water, import food, without which food security would be impossible. What is needed is more concerted openness to international flows of goods and services and a balance between adopting hard and soft strategies. Hard approaches refer to infrastructure, operation and maintenance, traditional water storage systems, storage management, water reuse, desalinization, and integrated flood management. 
These contrast with soft interventions aimed at curbing inefficient uses or establishing proper institutional frameworks. They focus on demand-oriented approaches and use instruments such as pricing mechanisms, efficient technologies, a culture of conservation, land use planning, and education and communications. Another soft strategy involves trade and virtual water. Virtual water is the volume of water used and embedded in the production of goods and services. Each production process requires dissimilar amounts of water, which may vary from country to country. While products are traded regionally or globally, movements of goods involve virtual transfers from one trading partner to another of the water used in their production process. This water is said to be virtual because it is not present as such in the product but was required for its production. Using the data on the water content of world trade, gross virtual water flows amount on average to 1,624 cubic kilometres, with 61% of the total virtual water trade associated with international trading crops, 17% with livestock and 22% with industrial products. Water is literally given away. Uh, it's so cheap that you can't really signal the scarcity of the resource. Okay, And that's the huge problem is that... Um, I mean, it's it's because of, there are many reasons to that, uh, but 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 one thing is for sure is that you know scarcity of the resource is never signaled through price, uh, right? So you don't get the right incentives or right behaviour around the resource, and their progress are being made, uh, uh, small progress I should say, but those progress are being made around defining the right price for water and the right value to water, which usually goes, you know, it goes beyond just a cubic meter of water and how much does it cost or how much does it cost to distribute? And then that should be more or less the price, right? Uh, But it goes beyond that because actually the service of the resource of one cubic meter of resource is not just what you can do with it in terms of, uh, you know, mining the ground or producing a tomato it's also what you take out of the environment and and you know the, the negative externalities that it creates etc so valuing water is extremely complex um but we we are also i mean there are tools that are being developed to understand that a bit better but to to go back to how does scarcity you know react into or you know signal uh, is signal through price. Um, when we look at the data, there is sort of no direct correlation between the price of a product and uh, the amount of water that is available in the country where it's produced. If there is a correlation between the amount of water or the variability of availability, to say to be precise, and the production. Right. So basically, less water means less production. More water means more production, uh, up to a point where you actually have a flood and you have a lot of water, but that's too many water. But but anyway, uh, there is a correlation between those two. And actually, you can get a translation of that relationship at the end through price, right? So if there is less uh, less water, there is less production, hence the price gets higher of the international market. This is the first part of a two-part interview with Alexander Levernoy, a consultant at Groupe d'Economie Mondiale.
He explains these concerns further in Win-Win, How International Trade Can Help Meet the Sustainable Development Goals, a landmark study by ADBI. This has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo. See the show notes for the transcript and related material. For more information about us, please visit adbi.org. Thank you.